You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine Digital Health Council podcast, where we explore health tech innovations that are transforming healthcare. With me, your host, Dr. Annabelle Painter. In this episode, I'm joined by Jeanette Cassell, Director for Scientific Advice at NICE, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence. And we address the role that NICE has to play with regards to digital health technologies. Evidence generation is a hot topic in the field of health tech, with many companies and innovations being criticised for a lack of compelling evidence. In the UK and abroad, many look to NICE to provide the guidance and oversight of evidence generation that's needed in the sector to help to ascertain which solutions to trust. In our conversation, we discuss the difference between the evaluation that's required for regulatory approval and the evaluation required for NICE approval. We also discuss how the recent influx of innovative digital health technologies to the market has necessitated the development of new approaches for NICE to meet this demand. And in this podcast, Jeanette discusses these with us. These include the NICE Metatool, Early Value Assessments, the AI and Digital Regulation Service, and the NICE Evidence Standard Framework. We also cover what's involved in a NICE approval process for a digital health technology. And finally, Jeanette shares common mistakes that companies make when evaluating their products and how these can be avoided. As a clinician, I believe that it is of the utmost importance that innovative technologies entering the healthcare system are well evidenced. And as technology changes, so must the means of appraising them. After all, extraordinary claims demand extraordinary evidence. Therefore, it was a pleasure to have Jeanette talk through how NICE are adapting their processes to meet the ever-changing landscape of digital health technologies. Hello, Jeanette. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Annabelle. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So to start us off today, by way of introduction, can you tell us a little bit about you and the role that you do at NICE? Yes, of course. So I'm Director for Scientific Advice at NICE. I've been at NICE for uh, five years now. I oversee all of the early engagement that we do with the life sciences industry which could be pharmaceutical companies, could be device companies, and in recent years has been an increasing number of digital health technology developers. We do all manner of different engagements with them to support them on their evidence generation journey and their market access strategy. It could be a very short engagement to help them orientate the system. It could be a gap analysis. It could be a deep dive into their clinical trial protocol to help them prepare for later evaluation, or it could be a look at their economic model. Thank you for that overview. So what role does NICE have when it comes to digital health technologies? We're the health technology assessment body in England. We fit in that post-regulation space. So technologies that already have a CE mark or a UK CA mark, Um, can be evaluated by NICE and we would look at the clinical effectiveness i.e how the technology performs when introduced into clinical practice compared to what already exists and we also look at the cost effectiveness of these technologies in terms of what additional costs they're going to incur Um, so NICE uh, looks at medicines and devices 
and for, for many years now has looked at digital health technologies as well, provides um, various um, guidance or, to the NHS on whether they should be adopting these digital health technologies. Um, and it's probably important to say that under NICE's five-year transformation plan, we're changing how we select technologies that we provide health technology assessment of. We're focusing on what matters most to the NHS. So rather than being driven by what companies are signalling to us, we're going out and we're asking the NHS what are the big problems that they um, want solving? What guidance do they need? It might be areas of unmet need um, that they want um, technology guidance in or might be areas where there's lots of different lots of new technologies and then you see that in the digital health space where there's a, a wide number of digital health technologies all claiming to do the same thing and then the NHS needs some guidance on which ones to select. So if we compare what NICE does in terms of its evaluating technologies and the evaluation that's required for technologies to get their initial CE mark or UKCA mark, how are those different? What is it that NICE does that's not present in the evaluation that's required for that regulatory approval? So the, the conformity assessment regulatory approval really focuses on whether a technology is safe and whether it does what it claims to do. In, in its intended use. That's obviously a really important um, step and one that needs to be done before NICE looks at the technology. NICE would then needs to assess, or if you actually introduce that technology into the NHS, how is it going to change the clinical pathways, which digital technologies may completely transform? And we need to look at the, uh, com the comparison of the new technology versus what exists already and I think that's a crucial part that isn't covered in, in the regulatory review. Mm. We also look at costs so we look at the, the purchase price the cost of the technology any other costs that it's going to take to implement the technology into the NHS which could if you're redesigning pathways retraining people all of those costs are, are taken into account but we also look at the cost savings as well which can come from any point in the care pathway and it could be over a very long time horizon so sometimes these technologies can have instantaneous cost savings sometimes those cost savings might be very far down the line particularly for example if it's a digital diagnostic um, and then you're diagnosing more people in the near term but ultimately you're diagnosing them earlier you can treat them earlier and then and then there are cost savings as well as health benefits in the longer term so nice looks at the cost benefits over the whole time frame. So if you're a provider of a digital health technology, what's the benefit to you for gaining NICE approval? NICE approval gives a really strong signal to the NHS to adopt. And we know that entering the NHS can be challenging and adoption can be challenging. Um, so when there's a NICE, a positive NICE recommendation, that really aids um, uptake of, of those technologies. And NICE, we've also heard, and there is research to show it as well, that NICE recommendations have international influence as well, and the international audience takes into account a positive NICE recommendation because our evaluations are so rigorous. Can you give us some examples of digital health technologies within the UK that have gained NICE approval? Uh, yes. 
I can give you some examples. The the first one that went through our, our pilot back in 2020 was uh, ZOXT for detecting cardiac arrhythmias. And then there's another example is Sleepio, which is a digital therapeutic for treating insomnia. They both have full, nice evaluation and, and recommendations. Um, and then there's other technologies that have more recently been through our early value assessment program, which has just been launched in the last couple of years that gives early access to technologies that show promise but need further evidence to be generated. Um, and digital technologies um, often fall in that category and seven out of the nine early value assessment recommend, early value assessment evaluations that we've done have been digital technologies because they show promise they could have great benefits for the NHS in terms of waiting lists, reducing costs, aiding patients, but they don't necessarily have the maturity of the data that we would want for a full evaluation. So NICE has been doing several innovative new uh, approaches when it comes to evaluation, including those early value assessments. And I'd love to touch on those in more detail in a second. But before we do, you mentioned there that Zio and Sleepio both have full NICE approval. Can you tell us about what the traditional full NICE approval process looks like? What does it entail? Yes, of course. So the company would need to submit a full evidence package for the technology, which includes the clinical effectiveness evidence to show that it is um, similar or has greater patient benefits than existing um, care in the NHS, and then the cost evidence as well around it being cost neutral or cost saving. That's for a health tech guidance. Um, so both these technologies that I mentioned will have submitted that evidence. It will be reviewed carefully by an external assessment group, which is an academic group that then provides their recommendations to the committee. A NICE committee is an independent committee, so they're not people that work for NICE. They are people from across the system, from across the NHS, uh, experts in health economics, patient experts, clinical experts, etc. And they come together to assess all of the evidence and make their final recommendation. And that recommendation, we do review it, but it is a full recommendation. It's not conditional on anything. So now let's contrast that to the, the new approaches that NICE has been taking. So there are a few things that have been developed over the last few years. There's the NICE meta tool, there's early value assessments, there's the AI and digital regulation service, and there's the NICE evidence standard framework. So let's go into each of those in detail. But before um, we start doing that, I suppose my question is, why has there suddenly been this development of all of these new approaches. What has driven that change? We've seen a, a rapid increase in the amount of health tech that is being developed and being launched in this country, which is fantastic. We've also seen an increase in the demand from the NHS for more guidance and more information on what they should be adopting. So at NICE, we have been increasing the amount of guidance that we um, can do. We also need to increase the amount of support that we give to companies, which we can talk about the meta tool in a minute. That's an early support. And, and the AI and digital regulation service is there to support both providers and adopters as well. 
Um, so it's just this unprecedented amount of, of, of innovation that is happening at the moment. Um, and obviously, oh, there's a lot of good innovation out there, but there's also a lot of innovation that is poorly evidenced. And we really need to make sure that the innovation does enter the NHS, delivers on the promises and needs to be well evidenced. Okay, so let's start uh, digging into each of these. So you mentioned there about about the meta tools. This is the MedTech Early Technical Assessment Tool. Can you give us some more detail about what that is? Yes, so this is an online tool that developers of health tech products, including digital and AI technologies, can use. They fill out a synopsis. It's also very educational. So it work, helps you work through your value proposition and the place in the pathway or places that you're exploring and walks through what evidence um, you might need. And after they're filling out the online form, companies then get a face-to-face -face facilitation with a, an expert at NICE where they can walk through all of that information and they get a gap analysis at the end of it. So they get that orientation of this is where you're going, this value proposition needs to be thought about because of X, Y, Z. And if you're going to go with this value proposition, your current evidence base is lacking here, here and here. So it helps give companies that indication of what they should be doing next in terms of evidence generation. And it's been particularly useful with digital health technology developers, a lot of who are completely new to the health field, completely new to developing these technologies, because there's a lot of small companies out there that have some fantastic tech, but don't really know what they should be doing next and where their gaps are in in their evidence and we've used it very successfully in the AI awards working closely with the accelerated access collaborative at NHS England and the technologies that have gone through that. So that's to help them in their evaluations of those technologies as part of that award would that be right? Yeah it was to help them determine how to spend the funds that were awarded to the companies that had successfully entered that award to make sure that the money was spent well, that the money was spent on evidence collection that was actually going to answer the, the questions that decision makers will have at the end of it. And essentially to start getting the evidence that would be required if they were to later apply for NICE approval, would that be exactly. correct? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the early value assessments. So what are early value assessments and how do they differ from traditional full NICE approval? So we were in a situation a few years ago where we knew there was a lot of digital health technologies coming through. They didn't have the full evidence package required to go through our, our full evaluation. And yet they showed promise and the NHS was demanding, um, rightly so, um, guidance from us on them. So we realised we needed a, a quicker, more agile process that could look at technologies at an earlier stage and give that positive signal to the system on, on whether they should be or should not be adopting these technologies. So that's what the early value assessment does. It gives that positive early signal to say this looks promising. It can be used, but 
there has to be additional evidence generation and the real value from these EVA assessments is that we, they also come with an evidence generation plan so that the companies and researchers in, in the NHS know where the evidence gaps are and can actively work to fill those whilst the technology is being deployed at a more national level. You mentioned there that you, you can end up with a positive outcome from these early value assessments, which suggests that they should be used um, while more evidence is being generated. But there, there are a few different outcomes that can come from an early value assessment. So can you tell us about the different outcomes that might be expected? Yeah, of course. So it's possible that the committee could say that the technology should not be used at all, but that would um, be very rare and hasn't hasn't happened. Um, it, the committee could conclude um, that the technology should not be used apart from in research. So there needs to be further clinical trials, needs to be in a clinical trial setting to collect more data on it because the, there's so much uncertainty over the clinical or cost effectiveness of the technology or, or the, the committee could recommend it for use with additional evidence collection. And some examples and um, to give you a bit of a flavour of things that have, have come through, there's been a, a recent early value assessment of artificial intelligence derived software to analyse chest x-rays for suspected lung cancer in, in primary care referrals. And these technologies are not recommended at the moment, apart from in research, because there was there was not enough clinical evidence on them in the population of interest to reassure the committee that they could give that recommendation. That contrasts to guided self-help digital cognitive behavioural therapy for children and young people. There are technologies there that have a, a positive recommendation whilst further evidence is collected. And just to clarify, with that initial example you gave with the AI for x-rays, it's not to say that they shouldn't ever be used, it's just to say right now, as, as it stands with the clinical evidence that's available at the moment, they cannot be recommended. That's but exactly that may change in future with more yes. once more evidence has been collected yes and in terms of the how you decide what to do these early value assessments on are these applied for by the manufacturers of these technologies is it something that's guided from the nhs based on need do people apply and pay for their um technologies to be evaluated or is this something that nice decides to do for a group of technologies yeah so this is something that nice decides to do for a group of technologies companies don't don't pay for these early value assessments. This is a bit of a shift because traditionally in, in the health tech space, it has been quite driven by company notifications saying we have this technology, please can you review it? And now we're shifting to really looking at the unmet needs in the NHS and where the guidance is really needed. So for these nine early value assessments, those topics have been um, selected through lots of discussion with various different clinical leads across the NHS and we have a topic selection panel that that selects those areas. Okay so moving on to the AI and digital regulation service so can you tell us a little bit about that service and why it was set up and how it's being used? 
Yes, of course. It's a really exciting service. I'm very happy to chat about it. Um, this is a project that has been funded from the AI Lab at NHS England and is a collaborative project across NICE, the MHRA, the HRA, the Health Research Authority and the CQC, the Care Quality Commission. So it's four of us regulators and decision makers in the system coming together working in this partnership way to develop really useful tools and guidance for both developers of digital and AI technologies and for adopters, because we realised that there was a massive gap for those people in the NHS who are commissioning or purchasing these sorts of um, technologies. They weren't getting the guidance on, on how to evaluate whether they had gone through the right regulations, what they what questions they should be asking of those technologies. And um, both developers and adopters were having to go to lots of different websites and delve into lots of different quite hefty guidance um, documents to find all of this information. So what we've tried to do in the AI and Digital Regulation Service is bring all of the the requirements in terms of evidence generation and regulatory needs into one place in a really user-friendly, accessible and easy to navigate way. And then it signposts out to the more hefty um, documents where people can go and find more detailed information. So both developers and adopters of digital and AI can, can work through where they are in their own journey and quickly go and find the information that they need in terms of, ah oh, yes, at this point in time, I, I need to go and um, get get HRA ethics review and this is what it entails and then they can they can see ahead of time what evidence NICE would need if when we evaluate a technology so it's all there together in a website. The other thing that we're doing as a group of collaborators is what's called the pathway coordination forum is actually trying to smooth that pathway and identify areas where there are gaps in regulation or guidance and where we can work together to fill those to make sure that the pathway, the underlying pathway, is is fit for purpose. I think it does a really good job of simplifying an otherwise quite complicated regulatory landscape. So I definitely recommend any listeners to to have a look at it, and I will put a link to it in the show notes, as well as all the other things we've been talking about in terms of the the different uh, things that Nice have been doing. So now, if we can talk about one of those other things, which is the NICE evidence standard framework, which has been recently updated. So can you tell us a little bit about the purpose of the evidence standard framework and about what's driven the the need for an update? Yeah, so NICE cannot evaluate all of the digital health technologies that are coming onto the market. It wouldn't be a good use of our resources to look at everything either, because there are some technologies that are the more say driving efficiencies in the NHS rather than impacting on patient outcomes and NICE wouldn't look at those but we realised there was a big gap in terms of people were asking oh, how should we evaluate all these different types of digital health technologies if NICE doesn't have the capacity to look at all of them how can we do it ourselves and so that drove us to develop these evidence standards framework it's a really good guide for companies to be able to plan ahead what evidence they will need and it's a really good guide for adopters to be able to look at what what technology is in front of them where it fits in that framework and therefore what 
evidence they should be demanding of the developer. And it's it's laid out really nicely in tiers of different technologies based on a risk based approach. So we've got the lowest risk technologies like the efficiency saving technologies that would need the have the lowest evidence standards. And then it all goes all the way up to tier C technologies, which are those that might diagnose conditions that might inform clinical management of a condition or might even treat a condition. And those ones are the highest tier because if they don't perform as they are meant to perform, they could impact on, on patient outcomes. And that, that obviously is highly risky and they need a higher level of evidence. So it's a nice breakdown of, of which technologies need different levels of evidence because people come to us and say, I've got digital health technology, what evidence do I need? And it really depends on that particular technology in that particular pathway and um, what impact it could have on, on the system and on, on patient lives. Um, you also asked Annabelle what drove the update. Um, a number of things partly based on user feedback on how it was laid out, partly because we're seeing more AI based technologies coming through. We realised that the, the original one didn't cover that, whereas the, the new version um, does cover AI. Also, the, the, the original framework classed all of those high risk tier C technologies together, whereas the new one splits it out and different categories within tier C recommends different study types. So randomised control trials are not recommended or, or necessary for every single tier C high risk technology. Um, they are obviously the gold standard, particularly for those digital health technologies that do treat patient symptoms. Um, but the new framework has a much bigger focus on other options in terms of study design, cohort studies, observational studies and uh, and really pulls out the importance of real world evidence. Can you tell us a little bit more about that real world evidence point and about how there's been more of a shift there and what real world evidence looks like practically? So we see a lot of companies come through with with real world evidence studies which are still really poorly designed. What nice wants to see from real world evidence and we are more I think more and more accepting of real world evidence and you know and, and value it very highly we've got a separate real world evidence framework as well which is extremely useful but we really want to make sure that the quality of real world evidence is high and that's what we're working towards at the moment because we're still seeing poorly designed real world evidence studies and like this that's not benefiting companies they're just wasting their money and it's not benefiting, benefiting patients um and by poorly designed i mean in the wrong populations not collecting the right outcomes that are going to resonate with decision makers not attempting to do any sort of comparative data collection because even though it's real world evidence you can still collect real world evidence on um on, on, on the existing practice and real world evidence when you've introduced a new technology and they don't necessarily include the impact on patients and how professionals are actually using the the technologies so they're not collecting that that important feedback that human factor 
um, part, which could be very valuable when you're actually implementing these technologies in real practice. How are humans interacting with those technologies? How does it change their behaviours? And that's not always captured. Yes, yeah, such an important point is that human AI interaction and how it really changes people's clinical behaviour. You mentioned there that you, you've noticed that a lot of companies have come through making that mistake about not collecting the right kind of evidence. I'm wondering if you could give any more thoughts on what the common kind of uh, mistakes or gaps or errors that companies are making from your perspective and any advice you might give companies who are thinking about doing evaluation. Common things that we come across in my team when we're helping companies at that early stage plan their evidence generation is one they haven't defined what their value proposition is they they might have defined their intended use for their regulatory approval but then actually defining how that is going to impact on clinical practice where exactly in the pathway do they intend to uh, introduce the technology how is that going to benefit patients how is that going to benefit the health system they haven't defined that or they're, or they're trying to go too big and too broad and therefore they're never going to collect the evidence to support a really broad value proposition or sometimes it's muddled it's not clear where exactly in the pathway it would be introduced and it's particularly the case with digital technologies where they could be introduced at multiple different points in a pathway they could be calibrated differently for different local areas and so often companies are trying to to be as broad as possible, understandably, but because they haven't defined that value proposition, collecting the evidence to then support it is very, very difficult. So that's one, it's just defining what value they're gonna to bring to the system. And then particularly with the digital technologies that we've seen come through is, is not thinking at all about having evidence on the comparative effectiveness. We've seen a lot of retrospective studies or simulation studies which which have their place absolutely but then very little consideration for then how they're going to show that they are at least as effective or more effective than what is actually being used in clinical practice because they might have compared in a retrospective study against for example the gold standard if it's a diagnostic but that's not what's used in clinical practice and it doesn't mm. it doesn't actually capture what we said before, how it's actually used by by humans in clinical practice and how it changes their decision making. So it's that perspective data that companies haven't thought about or they have thought about it and decided it's too expensive. So it's really important for them to understand the value of collecting perspective data. It doesn't have to be a randomised control trial. It can be done in many other ways. But having that perspective data that can show the, the comparative effectiveness of their of their new technology would be so important, whether, regardless of whether they're going to come for a nice evaluation or whether they're you know, going straight to, to local commissioning. That is, that's really, really important. And I think we've seen that with the technologies for diagnosing lung cancer from the x-rays, there were no prospective studies that were found in that evidence review. They were all retrospective studies and, and the committee decided it was just too much uncertainty mm. to, to give a, a recommendation for those technologies. Yeah, very interesting. So just to end, what's your vision for the future when it comes to evidence generation for digital health technologies how do you see this space evolving in the next sort of five ten years and what would you like to see at the end of that 
think it's really exciting space with lots of new innovations coming through and digital technologies have such a an, an important and exciting role because they can actually collect data quite easily a lot of them so we'll see a lot more data that we can analyze and extract and evaluate we all need to get better at collecting and and, and evaluating that as a system but I think that'd be really really interesting to see that coming through I think we can see a much more joined up coordinated path all the system partners are working more closely together. So there's the AI and digital regulation service that I talked about, but there are also other initiatives where NICE is working closely with other system partners to try and smooth that journey for um, for health tech, including digital developers. And I think that will increase the attractiveness of the UK as a market to come to, and hopefully will mean that we're adopting technologies quicker in the NHS. And then one final area where I'm excited and slightly nervous about are technologies that are on the horizon that particularly AI technologies where the algorithms are continuously changing. So the AI technologies that we've seen so far and that we've given advice to and evaluated, they, they have fixed algorithms um, and they, they train the algorithm, they fix it and then they launch that. And yes, there might be updates, but but generally that is that algorithm is fixed for a particular time. We, we're going to see technologies where when they're deployed into the NHS, they're continuously learning on the data that they're uh, gathering and they continually update their algorithm and how to regulate those sorts of technologies, how to do a health technology assessment on those sorts of technologies is going to be a um, really interesting one for, for us to manage. And I think it goes back to the first thing I just said around collecting their data and it'll be that we we'll all have to continuously monitor how these technologies are performing to stop any um, you know, catastrophic failures as they uh, learn and change their algorithms to make sure that they are they are delivering what the, they in, intended to and that they're continuously being monitored for cost effectiveness. So lots more changes to come by the sound of it. Lots more changes to come. We have not sorted this space at all. <laughs> but very exciting. Listen, Jeanette, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Annabelle.